heart of Wellington, Kansas, Powder and String Outfitters is your down-home, one-stop shop for all things shooting sports and outdoors. Welcome to the Powder and String Podcast. Hey everybody out there, Kip with Powder and String Outfitters. Greatly appreciate you guys tuning in to the podcast today. I have one of my great friends here, Dylan Ray with Pope and Young, and I am looking forward to talk about all things Pope and Young. Yeah? Yeah. We have, uh, for those of you that have been watching us on YouTube, we've been working on our studio, trying to get it uh, to, you know, put together. This thing's kind of coming coming along fast for y'all, and we greatly appreciate it, and we're really looking forward to it, but thanks yeah, for- dude, th- As a fellow podcaster, I'm a little jealous. I'll say that. <laughs> well, if you're going to do something, you yeah, know, do it big. Go hard, go home. Yeah. And, um, man, we're just, you know, we're trying to get this thing put together, you know, shooting, uh, hunting, outdoors, anything. That's what we're, you know, trying to attract with regards to the, the, the podcast. And, man, outdoors doesn't, I mean, Pope and Young, that's kind of synonymous, goes hand in hand with, right. with, with it. So I couldn't, uh, you know, be any more happy and stoked. Thanks for coming on. I want to talk My about pleasure, Pope and Young. You guys got a big, uh, big convention coming up, and I'm looking forward to talking about that. But I'm also looking forward to talking about what the organization is, and you know how people can become members because it's 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 a great organization. Um, maybe you want to tell us just a little bit about you know Pope and Young, and so that yeah, those of us. I mean, I can tell you for myself, I've been an outdoorsman my whole life. And I know that Pope and Young, you know, you know the, the basics of Pope and Young, you know, they measure, score. Yeah. But other that's than everybody's, that. That's everybody's, I don't want to say misconception. Yeah. That all we are is a record book. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even know why the record book exists in the first place. Um, the That'd record be me. Book, the record book was created in 1961 uh, by Glenn St. Charles and his group of buddies. Um, they started this record book because somewhere between – us and the Indians, state governments had lost sight that archery equipment was a legitimate means of harvesting big game. So there weren't any archery seasons. And so Pope and Young uh, decided, Glenn St. Charles and his group of cohorts decided, let's start a book. That way we can take data to different state organizations and prove to them that big game animals can be harvested with a bow and arrow. And so they started compiling these lists of of mature animals. Now, that's another thing is everybody associates Pope and Young with Boone and Crockett. We do work very closely together. Um, Our scoring system is the same, and uh, we share data and and data points and and things of the sort. But Boone and Crockett's main goal is to look at where in the world are the biggest animals coming from. They don't care how they were killed. They don't care how they were found. You can hit them with your car. You can find them dead after 20 years. They just want to see location-wise where the biggest animals coming from. Pope and Young exists not to do the opposite, but but we don't care about the biggest and best animals. We just care about mature animals taken with bows. And so, you know, we, when, when you look at minimums, they're way less. Like minimum for a whitetail is 125. Right. If you've hunted any amount of time, you've probably at least seen a 125. Mm-hmm. And so most people are like, dude, I want to kill something to get in Boone and Crockett. And I'm like, well, minimum for white is 125. And they're like, did I have 12 of those? And I'm like, exactly. 
because you associate Pope and Young with being Boone and Crockett, and it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they started this group of of records of numbers to be able to take the different state agencies and say, "Hey, look, Kansas. Last year in Kentucky, there was you know two hundred mature whitetails shot with archery equipment. So how can you tell me that they're not, you know, ethical?" And so then the, the the state of Kansas would open bow seasons. And so basically, like we tell people, if you have a bow season, you're welcome, you know? <laughs> right. Because Pope and Young was was directly involved with getting your bow seasons started. And so Pope and Young still exists to be a, a bow hunt <clears throat> a bow hunting conservation organization. We're constantly sharing data. Two years ago, Russia opened bow seasons because of Pope and Young's record books. That's uh, awesome. We're working in, in Greenland right now to create bow seasons for the caribou. Um, and they're using our records to show the the, the lethality of, of archery equipment. And so, you know, that's the, the biggest misconception is, well, I don't kill big animals, so Pope and Young's not for me. No, if you're a bow hunter, you need to become a member of Pope and Young. Let me take that even a step further. If you're a hunter of any sort. An outdoorsman. An outdoorsman of any sort. You need to be involved in some sort of organization to protect your rights. I absolutely 100% agree with that. You And I think, I mean, I'll take it a step further and say I think you need to be a member of a couple or three or yeah, four, uh, as many as you can. 100%. Because, because, man, this this tradition this that we cherish, I mean, I know you and I, but there's so many guys like us out there that just absolutely cherish it. And it's it, it, it is becoming more and more there's a lot of people out there that are against us there's a lot of organizations that are out there that are against everything that we do and they think that we're these big bad guys and you know we're we don't care about animals and you know they're the ethical you know uh, taking of them and that couldn't be any more farther from the truth but even the means in which we take them yeah they're i mean they're every way they can they're two uh, two things the nra did a study a very very I mean, in-depth study, and mm-hmm. they polled everybody. They can tell you what, you know, a 35-year-old Chinese woman living in New York thinks about hunting. Um, and what they found was that 79% of adults, when given facts about hunting, will support you. So that means for us that the 21% are just really loud, you know? Right. Because when we hear that, we're like, 79% really, it's it's it can't be that much. Um but it's just that 21% is really loud. And they're not coming in. Here's what, what non-hunters don't do. They don't come in and they're not going to say, we're taking all your hunting rights right now. You can no longer ever hunt right. again. But it's death by a thousand cuts. Exactly. I mean, they're, they'll take bear hunting in New Jersey. And then they'll take hunting with hounds in Pennsylvania. And then they'll take, you know, the, well, just two years ago, two counties in well, Georgia. they take the low-hanging fruit. Exactly. And then all of a sudden, they're building traction, building traction. And that's why I say if you're an outdoorsman at all, you know, you might not be a bow hunter, but they're not coming for all of us at one time. So, you know, we tell everybody like the duck hunters need to stand with the bow hunters so that when the duck hunters are on the chopping block, the bow hunters stand with the duck I hunters. I agree with that so much. Like every word of what you just said, I absolutely agree. And, you know, for myself, um, I, I kind of am embarrassed to say, but I just signed up with Pope and Young January 5th, I think I just showed you. Yeah. And I'm embarrassed to say that I've known it's been out there, but I guess I just, uh, I mean, we know it assume does. Well, well, so many people think I've got to have an animal in the books before I can join. Yeah. And that's what I was just going to say. I'm not sure. I assumed that 
to be a quote unquote member and that you had to have an animal on the books. And I never took the effort to do that. I have some that, well, I've got a lot that would have qualified for that. But take got, it a step. Got two right here that would qualify for that. I'd like to say that I shot those. I'm full disclosure. I did not. <laughs> um, one of our um, po- uh, powder and string um, pro staffers, Kevin Booski, shot those. Those are both his deer. So I'd like that, to say that those. That's are, another thing. Is like people say, I don't need to enter my animals. Like I don't. I don't need the recognition. It's not about you. It's it's, it's not about you. It's about bow hunting as a whole. And the more data we have, the better. But also, you owe it to that animal. Man, the first five minutes of this, I've already learned so much. Yeah. Or maybe not learned. I've learned so much, but also there's so much that since speaking with you, you know, prior even to the podcast, right. that I, I mean, I would have told you that I'm a, I'm a seasoned uh, outdoorsman. I know what I'm talking about. But there's so much of what you've just said that I just, I couldn't agree with. I, I, I what I was um, going to say was I just assumed Pope and Young just, it just existed, you know, yeah. my naive and, and, you know, not really putting much thought into it was that Pope and Young just, it just exists and it's just on its own word. It won't, obviously that's a, an, an, uh, uh, an ignorant com- uh, comment or thought because, um, it takes money. Everything takes money. Yeah. So, so wh- I'm a member now. And another thing is why should I join? People ask that all the time. Why should I join? Because weekly, we have stuff come across our desk for conservation rights or conservation efforts. And, you know, right now there's a bison herd. You're not allowed to bow hunt this bison herd. And so we were reached out and said, hey, I drew a tag and I want to bow hunt, but I can't. And it was Melissa Bachman. So she has some pull. We'll do whatever she wants. But um, she said, I want to bow hunt, but I can't. And so that's when Pope and Young steps in and says, hey, we represent X amount of bow hunters you know, 103 outfitters and 52 partners in the bow hunting world. And this is why this needs to happen. So there's power in numbers. I mean, what what looks more impressive when we go before state legislators and say, hey, we represent 10,000 bow hunters or hey, we represent a million bow hunters. That has a lot more pull. Absolutely. And so that's why we tell people, you know, we're your voice for bow hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, we're your national voice for bow hunting. We're the only national bow hunting organization. Um, so I like to explain it to people. Everybody's familiar with Ducks Unlimited. You know, everybody's like, oh, they protect my wetlands. I have to have Ducks Unlimited. Great organization. And Pope and Young is the exact same thing. As Ducks Ducks Unlimited is to duck hunters, Pope and Young is that for bow hunters. We're constantly creating new opportunities for you to bow hunt. We're constantly working weekly with state legislators to create new opportunities and to save your opportunities. Um, You know, and it's one of those things where when states start looking at, well, should we – extend rifle seasons or should we extend muzzleloader seasons into bow seasons or should we allow crossbows in bow seasons that's when we step in and say hey here's our data of why that's not good well and it's data yeah so let's 100%. make an educated decision yeah. where that doesn't happen very much in our uh no legislation not process at all. Government. because our legislators and and non-hunters alike they base their decisions solely on feelings, feelings. how does this make me feel but what mm-hmm. we found uh, or what the nra found through all their polling was that um, bow hunting is the most accepted means of hunting to non-hunters because yeah. you're you're limiting yourself. You're making it more difficult. You got to get closer. It's harder. Um, so to non-hunters, that's the most accepted means of hunting. So what we as Pope and Young do is we leverage that with their feelings. Um, because again, you're, I feel like you're letting you're giving trade secrets out. Yeah, but but here's here's the deal. 
the North American wildlife model of conservation works. There was 12 new world records killed this this last recording period. That's two years. So in two years, 12 new world records were killed. That means the, the North American model of wildlife conservation is working. But what we can't do is we can't let conservation decisions be why made do, in the ballot box. Why do I feel like Chuck Adams has like 25% of those 12? <laughs> because he does. <laughs> <laughs> That's just because crazy. The guy is just a, he's amazing. So what, what Kip is referring to here is that Chuck Adams, um, I told you he held the world record. I was wrong. Um, because what happened was a week – so Chuck held the world record for – see what happened was – See what ha- happened was there I was buck naked in a cornfield. Um, no, we just went. We, this just went sideways. That went Arkansas real quick. Yeah, he um, is from Arkansas, folks. So Chuck Adams held the world record for non-typical Sitka blacktail mm-hmm. in velvet. Okay, like a week prior to his hunt, Bob Amin, who's the second, uh, he has the second most animals in the record book. He broke that world behind record behind Chuck Adams. He broke that world record. Uh, and then Chuck went into Alaska and broke that record three times over. Um, so sh- shot three deer that all broke the world record that was just broken. So 12 new world records were set in a two-year period, and Chuck Adams set three of them yeah. on one hunt. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how that works. We haven't figured that out yet. Like it's never know. happened. We don't know if you're <laughs> awarded three new world records or if you're awarded the one. Yeah. Because here's, what, here's what's hard. And we believe Chuck. I mean, Chuck's a, a great friend of ours. Um, but there's also no way to prove in what order he killed them in. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? So he could have shot the biggest one day one and then the other two following. Right. So there's really no way to prove. And, and again, not that he would lie, but I don't think that he, I've never met him, but I don't think that he he cares. And the, the, that would be all just a press, like a, a a publicity stunt, um, Mm -hmm. which Pope and Young again is not interested in. Um, now don't get me wrong. We want press, but, um, there, there's just no way to prove that. Right. So while you still well, have I don't a think record, it'll ever happen again. <laughs> Yet one more thing that he can add to his, his, uh, long list of things that no other man has done yeah. or could do. Yeah. He's just, it's just, I mean, it's just amazing. So I, what will happen though, Pope and Young awards the biggest five animals for that species in that recording period. So mm-hmm. that's two years. So Chuck will receive three of the five awards <laughs> at this our convention in April. Yeah. This is crazy. That's absolutely, it's just awesome. It's amazing. Yeah. Totally cool. I, I don't know how. But anyway, I want to go back real quick. Yeah. I said I said you owe it to the animal to, to enter it, um, mm-hmm. which you do. That animal's lived a long life, and it deserves to be in a book amongst its peers. Uh, because what happens is you can put it on your wall, and you can celebrate it. But what about the rest of the world? Like the rest of the world, there's a, a group of guys who love that book and they love celebrating the animals that are in that book. And believe it or not, I'm not one of them, but believe it or not, there are guys that will sit there and look, you know, at all the animals and and, and read those. And you owe it to that animal. Uh, and I tell people like this, like, what do you like to do? And they'll be like, I like to golf. And I'm like, cool. So go to a tournament, win a golf tournament. And just, you know, when you get done, the, the PGA Tour is going to look at you and be like, well, we're, we're actually not going to honor you. Right. What do you mean you're not going to honor me? Well, the same is true with that deer. Like that deer deserves to be honored and, and put in a book amongst its peers because, you know, it's a mature animal and it, it deserves that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not just deer. Yeah. Because Pope and Young. Yeah, yeah, 29. All 29. And now there's velvet categories that was new as of last recording period. And so explain explain a little bit about the velvet categories because I know 
I didn't, I was listening to another podcast and, and again, um, Chuck Adams was one that was explaining it, that before the velvet, you would have to strip, strip the velvet, velvet and put it in hard horned. I can't even imagine. Um, so what a lot of guys would do is they would strip it, enter it and then artificially put it back. on. Right. Um, which it sucks because that, that deer, you know, we Past tense. Uh, sucked, sucked. Because now, because all deer, as deer hunters, elk hunters, caribou hunters, anything, you understand that a velvet animal, that's more so. Like that's that's awesome, dude. That you killed a velvet animal, mm -hmm. um, and so we don't shouldn't be punished for it. Um, and so we created velvet categories. So now, if you look at in the record books, there's hard horned typical whitetails. There's hard horned non typical whitetails. There's velvet. Uh, typical whitetails and there's velvet non-typical whitetails. Um, and so that now you don't have to do that. Now what you can do is there's still some like play between it because, you know, a lot of guys look at it and they're like, well, and this is getting down to like what a lot of people would define as trophy hunting is like, well, if I strip it, then it'll be the new world record. And if I don't strip it, it wouldn't be, or if I, you know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, there's always one in every group. Yep, and then what some guys do is, you know, they'll put it in Pope and Young as velvet, strip it, and put it in Boone and Crockett as hard horn, and then revelvet it. And hmm. again, you're just at that point, you're just <laughs> yeah, I'm not that guy. So you can put you can put initials, you can put last name, you can put, you know, you don't have to. It's not again, it's not about you. But what I can say is is that one time we were at a trade show, and this guy rolls up in a wheelchair with his buddies. You could tell he'd had a stroke and couldn't talk real well and couldn't didn't have motor functioning, you know, just couldn't. And uh, he walks up to the Pope and Young table and his buddy says, hey, you got a couple in here, don't you? And he just kind of nodded and mm -hmm. he said, well, let's look them up. You remember what they scored? Or you remember, and he, you know, he, they found it. And that dude lit up like uh, in imagine. that moment, like he was back. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. obviously can't hunt anymore, but for that moment, he was back. That's cool. And it was really cool to see. And so, you know, that that just goes back to, and again, it's not about the hunter, but in that situation, it was. Yeah. In that situation, it absolutely was. Because when my dad's dead and gone, I want to go back and look and say, man, look at all these deer my dad killed. Well, and the memories. Yeah. We've talked about on, on the podcast before is, that, you know, we, every, all of us do this for, for there's, a, there's a number of different reasons out there, but memories, experiences. 100% is way up there you yeah. know meat on the table absolutely but experiences and and we even talked about um in a previous podcast that you don't even realize sometimes you have to stop to realize that you're creating the memories at the time you're creating the memories 100%. because you look back you know later on you're like oh man remember that that was yeah. so cool well, that's, you know, Pope, uh, Pope and Young gets that bad vibe of like, well, you only care about the trophy. No, absolutely not. Like, Well, you and I have talked about that, so so let's hit on that for a minute. You know, everybody thinks, that well, it's all about the trophy. Well, no, it's not. It's also about the conservation because, as you were explaining to me, you can take that information and say, all right, well, this area right here is producing more big animals or it's trending down. Yeah. And then from there... You can look at it and say, okay, well, there's something to be concerned with with this biologists and people that are way, way, way smarter than you and just way smarter than me. Yeah, 100%. No, that's, <laughs> you're absolutely right, dude. 
Because when you didn't even get it, I said way way I, I, smarter. You're I from did. Arkansas. See, even there, way, I had way to help more you. Smarter. Way um, way more smarter. Um, but that's what a lot of people don't understand is like if we go to Kentucky, they want to see the numbers based on their counties, like mm-hmm. broken down in their counties and their well. So just two years ago, like I said, um, there were two counties in Georgia that were looking to ban bow hunting. Um, and so we stepped in. They need to see That's the crazy. They need to see the data based on their counties, broken down by those two counties. And so for a lot of hunters, they're like, I don't want people to know where I'm hunting. You don't want people to know where you're hunting until those hunting rights are about to be taken from you. And then you want everybody to know where you're being hunted at. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so at the same time, like we're not going to drop a pin and say this is where this deer was shot. Um, but we need to give a general idea that way. When conservation comes forth, we can say when, when when an issue comes forth, we can say, well, look how many caribou were killed on this range in Alaska. Yeah, it's one of the things that I mean, our world has become so small. Yeah. In the last, I mean, it's just crazy. In the last two hundred years, it's become. If you look at it from there, it's just crazy. And then now with technology, in the last twenty or twenty-five years or even 10 years, it's just become so, so small. And so I think that the time, you know, that the day and age and the time where somebody could say, well, I don't want to tell anybody about, you know, where I shot my hunting spot or my fishing hole, you know, that, that, that old mindset of, mindset of well, where'd you catch that, that big one at? Well, I think that we're to a point now where our world has become so small that if we don't join together and give this information and share it in a organized manner, like what Pope and Young offers, where you can just put your initials and yeah. you can, you know, you don't, you don't have to give, you know, the GPS location, but if we don't give that information out there, so that way that the statistics and the facts can speak for themselves and be presented for the people that are making decisions that are going to affect us, then the things that we enjoy are going to be taken away from us. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, I said that you need to be involved in an organization. Well, and let me say something just because I'll forget if I don't say it right now because I've almost forgot it. But I think to take that an even step further, and this is just my thought, is that it will affect the common guy, the common hunter, the common lady, more than it will those with that have, you know, endless pocket, bottomless pockets, if you right. will. Because if you got money, things can happen. But for the just the, the the guy that just wants to go out and you know put some meat on his table and have and enjoy an experience, I think that those are going to be the ones that are going to be affected the most if we don't, yeah, protect this 100%. stuff. And that's what you know. We don't promote and we don't preach and we don't. We would never even say this that we replace your state organizations. If you're in Kansas, you absolutely need to be involved with Kansas Bow Hunters Association or whatever it's called. Um, if you're in Iowa, you need to be involved in the Iowa Bow Hunters United, whatever it might be called. But on a national level, level, we represent those organizations. Um, so when Kansas has an issue, the Kansas Bow Hunters Association is going to call Pope and Young. Mm-hmm. So you absolutely need to be a member of your local group and then a member of the national group um that's what we teach and that's what we promote uh, because again what happens is then we get to go to state legislators and say hey we're representing kansas bow hunters association who represents thirty-two thousand bow hunters or whatever it is 
Um, and again, there's just power in numbers. And so the, the, the bigger that front, the, the more pull Pope and Young has to protect your rights. Um, and so that's what I would, I would encourage everyone to do. Um, because at the end of the day, man, if your rights as a bow hunter get, get taken from you and you're not a member of any of these organizations, sorry, you have, yeah, no, you have nobody to blame. You have no right to complain. Yeah. That's exactly right. And especially when it's 45 bucks a year, dude. Mm-hmm. Like we, 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 we're in a culture. And I'm, I'm to blame. Uh, I'm part of the problem because I pay $32 an arrow. You know, every time I shoot a bow, it costs me 32 bucks. That arrow's flying through the air. Um, that's because you're not a very good shot. Exactly. If you hit your, the targets, if you shoot and hit the targets, then exactly. you'll be able to reuse the arrows. That's 100% right, dude. Um, practice makes perfect, man. But you know, bows cost 1800 bucks. Camo, you're going to spend, I mean, you're wearing Sitka, dude. If you, if you outfit in Sitka, which they're a good partner of ours, I'm not, bashing them but no. if you buy an outfit of sitka you're going to spend twenty five hundred three thousand dollars i mean and you can't afford 45 bucks mm-hmm. to protect your rights as a bow hunter like it's it's absurd dude that's that's all it is i mean it's it's crazy yeah yeah i mean that's that's you're exactly right it i i i'm embarrassed to say that i joined this year for the first time but i am i didn't join until i started working for pope and young and, and i can say that because we're in a culture where, and I've always explained it like this. Anybody, my dad's age and younger, views Pope and Young as a record book, and that's it. Like, and I always viewed it as a good old boys club, you know. A hundred percent. Yeah. And that's. So, smoking cigars and, you know, yep. drinking whiskey and. And they got know, money. And, and they, they got money. They kill, you know, they kill caribou in the Brooks Ranges and, and they go on all these extravagant hunts and that's not for me. And um, that was a, a misconception. But anybody, my dad's age and younger. That's how they view Pope and Young. They view Pope and Young as a good old boys. Elitist Are you saying club. I'm your dad's age? No. I feel like you just. You might be close, dude. How old are you? That's. I'm not telling you that. Publicly say it. How old are you? I'm old enough to know better than to share my age. I'm 29. Are you old enough to be my dad? No, I'm only 30. Okay, very good. Um, but anybody <laughs> in that in that generation views Pope and Young as those two things: a record book. And a good old boys, they kill giant animals and they got money and I'm not, I can't be involved in that. Um, anybody under the age of my dad or anybody my dad's age and older, they know Pope and Young. They're like, dude, we wouldn't have a bow season if it wasn't for them. Um, because believe it or not, like I know guys, I know a guy here right here in Kansas who were members when there wasn't a bow season and Pope and Young stepped I'm in. I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you know when that was? I don't. That's a good question. I don't, I mean, as a, as a guy who's bow hunted my whole life, I'm not telling you how old I am, <laughs> but, but as bow hunted my whole life, I didn't, I mean, I can't even, I can't even wrap my head around that, but to, to think about it's crazy. Like to, to think about there weren't bow seasons, like, because so could you, I want, I mean, maybe you don't know the answer, but could you, you just, you, you it wasn't even a legal ways means right. to harvest. You had to right. use a rifle. Yeah. Wow. And so to think about that, like, man, we grew up and there was always a bow season. Mm -hmm. So we take that for granted. We didn't understand that somebody had to work to create that bow season and that somebody has to constantly keep working to keep those bow seasons and to keep creating new opportunities. And that's Pope and Young. Well, and speaking of dads, I can remember I've heard stories with my dad talking about deer in this area. And I mean, we're known for Kansas having big deer and 
you know, in this area specific right here within, you know, 50 miles of, of where we're sitting in, you know, downtown Wellington, Kansas, we've got some pretty good yeah. deer populations and some really big deer. But yeah. my dad talks about a time that didn't time that there wasn't even, I mean, if you saw a deer, it was a big deal. Yeah. And, and that's now, what, that's exactly what that, that, that gentleman said. And, and I'm not going to name any names, um, but that's exactly what that gentleman said. He said, dude, I remember like when you would go a season and see a doe, maybe, maybe if you were lucky. Crazy. Conservation. And you, and you might see a doe a year, like just driving around. You might see one doe on the side of the road. He's like, now you drive around, you'll see 200 deer in a night if you drive around and look. And that's your conservation efforts right there. Yeah. And I think that, you know, speaking of conservation, you know, that's one thing that I think hunters, I think we need to get better at is you kind of hit on it earlier is just because you're a member of one doesn't mean you can't be a member of another, but, and everybody's got a budget. I get that. And everybody's got, you know, to put, you know, money and funds towards different things. And, and we got priorities, but also just because Ducks Unlimited is doing something doesn't mean that Quell Unlimited or Pheasants Unlimited or, you know, Whitetails Unlimited or, you know, Pope and Young, that they're not going to benefit from it. And I think we all need to realize that we're all in this together, that just because you may not be a, you know, rifle hunter or you may not be a bow hunter or you may not be a duck hunter or whatever, I think we all need to realize that we're all in this together and it's all attached yeah. and tied together. Well, I remember telling one guy about the Russia deal. I'm like, well, dude, you ever thought about hunting in Russia? No, dude, I've never. Well, would you ever? No, not really. And I'm like, well, you know, that's, that's good. Like, if you don't want to hunt in Russia, that's fine. But that's we, good because I want to. We need to stand together to, to help them create opportunities to hunt in Russia because when the time comes where they're taking your rights in Florida, you're going to want them to stand with you. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, and that's all it comes down to. We need duck hunters to stand with us because we're sure as heck going to stand with duck hunters when the issue comes up. Um, and just because it's quote unquote duck habitat doesn't mean. I mean, how many, deer. how many times, is, I mean, there's stories, of, I mean, and all the time you'd be out duck hunting, I'm duck, duck hunting and I see deer. So here's, here's a good, so people always say, well, you manage your property for big deer. You're right. I do. But by doing that, I'm creating habitat for pheasants, I'm creating well, habitat for quail, turkey. creating habitat for turkey. Absolutely. Grasshoppers, pollinators. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. creating habitats for all of these. Mm -hmm. And so within that ecosystem, there's a whole lot of other things thriving because I'm creating a habitat for deer. Mm -hmm. um, so while, yes, I do care about the deer, look at everything else this is doing because there was no wildflowers out here before. There was no pollinators out here before. There was, I mean, you name it. Um, there was no, you know, puddles for ducks to land in before I created this watering hole for the deer. And so, you know, that's. Absolutely. It's all habitat. Yeah, it all mixes together. I'm going to take a second to to do a cheap plug um, for the, our listeners, but uh, one of our next future podcasts coming up, we're going to have a big podcast with Ducks Unlimited. Um, we're working on getting That's that cool. finalized. And so for all those that are listening, just be on the lookout. It's big. And if you're a duck hunter, you absolutely need to be a member of Ducks Unlimited. Yeah. Um, again, whatever it is that you hunt. So if you're a bow hunter for whitetails, you need to be a member of Pope and Young. You need to be a member of your state organization. And then you need to be a member of Whitetails Unlimited. And um, Whitetails Unlimited, we're doing a, an event for them next weekend. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, or, you know, if you're an elk hunter, you need to be a member of Rocky, Rocky Mountain, Mountain Elk, Found- elk. Foundation and of uh, Pope and Young and of... And another great thing for people that aren't a member of those or whatever, I mean, uh, for, for those that are, we, you know, I say we because I'm a part of them. You know, you look at, for, for most people, they look at Ducks Unlimited and they, they associate it with the banquets. Yeah. So, you know, Whitetails Unlimited, you know, we're getting ready to do a banquet for them. And and they're, most of them are all structured much the same, National Wild Turkey Federation. Um, but there's so much more to the organization than that. Oh, 100%. And, like, and that it just goes back to, like, people not truly understanding what all they do and what all we do. Um. You know, I, I'm glad I'm not on our conservation board mm-hmm. because, you know, like I said, they have stuff sliding across their desk every week. Um, and people don't understand the money that, that goes into that. You know, people don't understand you've got lawyer fees. You've got travel expenses to go to state legislators. You've got all these things. So, like, where's my 45 bucks going? Your 45 bucks is going to help us continue your rights for a bow hunter. Um, now, what specifically are we working on? We can talk about that, too. You know, uh, for like I said, the Greenland and the, the bison currently right now. Um but two years ago, it was a bow season in Georgia. Yeah, like, let's talk about that for a second. So I, I know nothing about it, so I'm just now you've, you've got my curiosity peaked. There was a bunch of lobbyists, and and you know that. So here's what happens. I said that 21 percent seems a lot louder because they stand together. Like that's that's the issue is the non-hunters stand together, and that 21 percent, even if they're from New York, they're going to attack Georgia. Um, we as hunters don't stand together at all. Yeah, Low-hanging fruit. We're so divided. I'm not a bow hunter. I'm not a rifle hunter. I don't shoot ducks. I don't shoot pheasants. That deer was taken with a crossbow. Yeah. Doesn't count. So we all need to stand together and bind together because the non-hunters are binding together. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, there was a bunch of lobbyists and a bunch of uh, non-hunters attacking bow seasons in Georgia. And the the Georgia they had convinced the Georgia government that – you know, they would benefit from canceling the bow seasons. Um, so that's when Pope and Young steps in and, and shows them the data, shows them the records, and shows them the— That's crazy. And and fight to, to stop that. Was it a—do you know what counties it was or what area? I'm putting you on the spot again. I could find out, but I don't. I should have given you cliff notes of questions I'm yeah, going to ask you. Yeah, I don't. I forgot, I forgot you're from Arkansas. Yeah. I think it was—I think it was two different counties, though. That's crazy. This yeah. is—it's, just it's, you know, for today, for, for guys like—that's just mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, it's people, people don't get that. Like, because again, we, we close the curtains and say, well, it's not happening here in Kansas. So, you know, it, it, it kind of struck a memory. Um, in a previous life, I used to live in Arizona. I say that, but it was, um, you know, 15 years ago, I lived in Arizona. And when I was down there, I actually had some family that lived there when I moved there, but you know, I think I lived in Phoenix. And so I think, you know, big city. And I didn't realize how much agriculture was involved in it. But where I'm going with this is, is that there was a, there was a legis there was a vote on the, on the agenda and it was for, um, it basically was, 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 um, the, you know, it was, it was pushed as the ethical treatment of, of hogs and how they were, you know, going to be ethically treated. And they shouldn't be treated ethically at all. Right, exactly. And that it's just so frustrating because, you know, these people think that they're, you know, that they think that farmers who make their livelihood on these animals don't care about the betterment and the health of those animals. And it couldn't yeah. be any farther from the truth because that's literally what they make their living off of. So I tell non hunters all the time, I care more about animals than you could ever. Absolutely. 
than you could ever. Yeah. I mean, I, I would tell you that 99% of hunters, if you're driving down the road and all of us have a, some, a similar story, but we're, if we see an animal in need, we stop immediately and help it. Yeah. And if absolutely. we are out hunting and we harvest that animal, we are trying to get the, the, the cleanest ethical shot. And I know, I mean, I can, I can tell you with 100% certainty, I have passed up numerous shots because it was and on, on an animal that I really wanted to harvest. Yeah. Because it just wasn't right wasn't there. Yeah. It just wasn't there. Yeah. And that's why, like, the biggest question I get asked um, is what's your ethical, what's your maximum shot distance? And I'm like, that's the stupidest question I've ever been asked. Because if I look at a deer and I think I can shoot that, I'm going to shoot it. Well, and it changes weather conditions, weather, setup, wind, elevation, yes. wind, How the animal. animal's acting. Yeah. yeah. All the sort. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's been times I passed up a 10-yard shot mm -hmm. just because the animal's super weary and, you know, it was through a tight space. And then there's been times I've launched one at 42. Dude, your leg is literally shaking my mic. Dude, that's all right. You're like. These are good mics. You know, I've heard a lot about these mics. <laughs> But I don't know if I'm going to have one left after this. Not week. as good as the pod mics, but I've heard these are good. They're they're above <laughs> average. Jimmy. Um, but I got sidetracked or there. We got to talk about eth ethical, you know, hunting. But with what happened in this Arizona deal was the voters went out and voted and they voted that these hogs should not be allowed to have um, farrowing crates, which allows, you know, it keeps the, the mama hog from, it basically allows her to, to lay down without, you know, just falling over because everybody knows how big a pig is and, you know, they're her little ones are underneath there and they literally, you know, they obviously don't make it. What so when this happened, it passed. So then the Farm Bureau went out, Arizona Farm Bureau went out and did a study and they found out that the average voter at that time was five generations removed from the farm. And another question in that was they the, the that person was not able to connect the majority of those of those that voted were not able to connect with where that meat came from they could not connect that the meat that they were eating at say a mcdonald's came from a farm they just they couldn't make that connection i sat down on a plane i was on my way to the western hunt expo salt lake and i sat next to this lady and she said well, what are you doing where are you traveling for and i said i'm headed out to the, to the western hunt expo it's a big hunting uh conference and show and get together and um, it quickly became apparent she didn't like hunting. You know, she didn't agree. With I love that. I said, my first question to the lady, I said, ma'am, do you eat meat? She said, yeah, I eat meat. I'm like, then I'm not having this conversation with you. She's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, I have no respect for somebody who eats meat, but it's not okay with me harvesting my own meat. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, I said, well, I just have way more respect for somebody who's a, a vegetarian or a vegan. And it's not okay with me hunting. I get that. I'll understand that. But for somebody who's okay with eating meat, but not okay with knowing where it comes from, nope, not mm -hmm. having the conversation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because there is a certain amount of people. And uh, I was talking with Peter Churchborn from the NRA, and he said there is that certain amount of people, that 21%, that you are not going to win over. Right. So don't try. Like, you're, you're not ever going to change their mind that hunting is okay. But there is 79% of adults that if you give them the facts about hunting, you can change their mind. Mm -hmm. And so that 21%, I just write you off. Well, and I just... That I, sounds I wanna, bad. No, just, you know what? I want to talk about the 21%. I actually have no problem with that 21% because I love the fact that we live in a country where those 21% can feel the way that they feel. 
And but don't I, tell me how to feel. Right. <laughs> and I don't care. I, I don't care that they feel that way. I genuinely don't care. I, I, I'm, I'm 100% content that they feel that way. But let me feel the way that I feel the same, you know, reciprocate that. So I'm going to say something very controversial here. Uh-oh. I could never say this from the Pope and Young platform, which is why I'm going to say it here. So you're talking to me as Dylan Ray, period, not, yes. not Pope and Young. Yes. All right. But you might lose a lot of followers over this. Oh, I'm going to charge you. I don't have a lot to lose right now. We're trying to build. Now, understand when I say this. Pope and Young. No, never mind. Non-hunters are a lot like atheists. And I'm not I'm not saying that if you're a non-hunter, you're an atheist. But you've never heard a Christian tell an atheist how stupid they are, how ignorant they are, how dumb they are, how sick and twisted they are. But yet that's what the atheists say to the Christians is you're an idiot. You have no – and you've never heard a hunter. At least I haven't. I've never heard a hunter look at a non-hunter and say, you're just a worthless piece of garbage and I hope you die in a car wreck. But I get comments all the time from non-hunters saying, I hope you're hunted and killed and and put over a fire and, and I hope your children get yeah, killed in a car wreck. And I'm like, why? Because I don't – what? Yeah, and that's – I mean that's that's what well, that's why I said you know the twenty one percent I I I genuinely mean it when I say I appreciate the fact that yeah. they have that because man, we, but you don't have to tell me I'm a sick individual. No, you know what I mean. No, we hit the lottery. We hit the biggest lottery in the world being born in this country. Yeah, being born in America, man. Amen. God bless America. Well, I got I got hit with a comment. I posted a picture of a deer I'd killed, which I had killed this deer with a recurve. Um, and so going back again, that's the, the largest accepted form of hunting. And this person comments on my post and says, man, I hope your family is gunned down and I hope you're hunted like you killed this deer. And I hope you're living your life and you get shot. And, and I wasn't going to comment back to her for public display of argument. So I just sent her a message and I said, man, before we have this conversation, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Dylan Ray. Yes, I make my living in the outdoor industry, so but I'm also a youth pastor. I have three beautiful kids. I have a wonderful wife. Um, my kids enjoy this, that, and the other. You know, my daughter uh, at the time she just won the the volleyball tournament. I said my daughter's a phenomenal volleyball player. Maybe you know, maybe you have some kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was like immediately she saw me as a different person. She didn't see me as some murderous bloodthirsty animal that's just running well, around trying to kill whatever I can kill. That's social media. We've yeah. got, you know, that's the keyboard warrior, man. Yeah. Everybody's big, bad, and tough behind, when, you know, when they're there, but they would never, 99% of those people would never say or do yeah. the stuff that they say or do. Especially when you're sitting there talking to them with to a face. gun in one hand and a Bible in the other, then they're never going to say it. Just, yeah, scared. <laughs> but no, I, uh, and that's what I tried to do is I just tried to make myself look like a human to her. Um, that I'm not just out here murdering whatever I can murder. Like I care about these animals. And I said, you know, Hey, here's a picture of my kids eating the deer that I shot. Right. And, uh, what the NRA found was that's the biggest way that you could ever connect a non hunter to a hunter is showing them the process of, I shot this deer. I got clean, a, a clean source of protein. I know where it came from. I know it's not injected with all the growth hormones and all the garbage that you buy at the store. And I fed my kids with it. Yeah. And I gave my dog organic protein 
and I gave my wife organic protein and I fed my family with this. And that's when the non-hunter goes, oh, wow. Like you, wow. Well, I mean, we just talked about in a, a couple podcasts ago with my, my uh, wife and my girls who cumulatively between the three of them, I mean, have a grand total of like 25 hunts ever expeditions cumulatively. And I'm think I'm giving them, you know, 10, but one of the reasons why, you know, their, their lives have all changed, you know, with us opening powder and string, but also got married, had kids. But one of the reasons why they're now have come to me and we're starting the process of, of having them go through and, Everything from getting their licenses to, you know, practicing, to shooting, to picking out a bow, to picking out guns, shotguns, all that. But one of the reasons is because they want to know where, now that they have kids, where did, where's this meat coming from? Yeah. They've changed, you know, grown up, so to say. And so, you know, everybody's life changes. And, and, and now we have, you know, using this as an example, we've got three people that are ladies that are getting started, getting into the outdoors and man, they're they they're they're doing it all for different reasons but one of the reasons is because they want to know where that meat came from well so many people for so long put blinders on they eat the meat and they have no idea where it came from mm -hmm. they they throw up this visual blinder of i don't want to see the the disgusting farms that this beef was raised on and all the disgusting stuff that it was injected with to get it this big and this fat that quick they they put blinders on but what non hunters get from us is because we don't show them that side. We don't show them our side of it. We show them the the hunting side of it. We don't show them the organic protein that's being fed to our families. So all they see all they see is, is the, the negative. Yeah. You know, they, the, they see the side they've been trying to blind themselves. Well, from. they don't go out they They've never been through the experience. Most of them have never been through the experience and what they're gathering their information from is social media or yeah. television, you know, 20 minutes of a television show. They don't realize the amount of effort and work and time, which also is camaraderie and, and enjoyment and, you know, things that we, we as hunters enjoy, they don't see that part of it and they don't see all the additional positives that come from that. Which again, because it's all based on feelings. It's mm -hmm. all based on how does this make me feel? And the most unaccepted form of hunting is Africa, going to Africa to hunt. Yeah. Because Disney, yep. shout out to Disney, has just laid off 5,500 people. They have, they have <laughs> portrayed Africa as being some beautiful place and these animals are sweet and innocent and nothing ever bad happens there. And, and so now all these non-hunters, based on feelings, because of Disney – they see Africa as, why would you ever go there? Why would you ever hunt there? Why would you ever do those things? Well, A, dude, there's, we put a lot of money into Africa. Yeah, we well, the hunters, that, that's, people don't realize that. And I, I, I have that, that conversation. I've never been to Africa. Um, I would love to go. See, it um, doesn't appeal to me. You know, it never, it, it, I don't it know why. It doesn't tickle my fancy. It never did. Like, when from the time I hunted until I don't know, just in the last like five years, all of a sudden I've just. So when you turned fifty, that changed. See, there we go again. I'm not telling you, dude. No, I'm um, not fifty. I'm not even close to fifty. Forty nine is pretty close. It's not, and I'm not even close to forty nine. I'm not telling you. But 
I now all of a sudden have this, you know, in the last couple of years, probably three to five years, I've been like, man, I, I kind of want to go over there. Yeah. But as a hunter, one thing I've always been interested in is just hunting of all kinds. So right. it doesn't matter. And oh, don't get me wrong. If somebody said, hey, I'm sending you to Africa, I'm not going to turn it down. That just doesn't, it's not something I'm going to invest a lot of money into doing myself. Right. Yeah. But I know where you're going with that is the amount of money that goes into. And food. And like food. Like you're feeding entire cultures. Mm -hmm. Like uh, my boss at Pope and Young, he, he said, you know, when you take them a Gimsbach or whatever, like you see a whole plethora of people like coming to celebrate that you killed that because they're going to have food. And they didn't, you know what yeah, I mean? And, and, and you have, I've got, you know, many friends that have been, you've got, not only do you have the, are you the hunter, but you've got a skinner, you've got a photographer, you know, and these people, you're employing these people, trackers. And so they're getting paid. And then you have the game fees, which then the game fees and those, you know, the, and the, the licenses and stuff like that, those go towards conservation. And yeah. so it, if it wasn't for the hunter, the African animals as you see them today would, wouldn't be there. Wouldn't be there. I mean, I mean, look at the <laughs> the rhinos that are you know endangered. I mean, they're endangered because there was no regulations and there was no, and there still is. And, and so, and it's just like anything, you know. They create laws, and and there's always those outliers of people that, if you've already got a law in place and they're breaking a the law, you don't need another law to to fix the problem because. Right just enforce the laws that you've already got on the books. Yeah. But without conservation, there would be far more animals in the same situation as the black rhino or 100%. white rhino. Well, and like I was at Dallas Safari Club um, and I FaceTimed my kids and I was showing them an elephant. My mm -hmm. killed an elephant. It was, you know, on the wall or whatever. I'm like, look at this. It's an elephant. And my kids said, why would they kill an elephant, dad? That's just, and I said, well, sweetheart, what you might not know is that when elephants get too old, their teeth rot out of their head and they can't eat. So they're literally going to starve to death and, and have a miserable life up until the point they die because they can't eat because they have no teeth. Mm -hmm. And so hunters come in and they give them that quick, painless death. Mm -hmm. And they were, my daughter was like, oh, okay. Like, but again, they base off feelings and, mm -hmm. and, and non-hunters see it and they're like, why would you take that beautiful animal off the ground? Well, did you really want it to starve to death for a year? Like, mm -hmm. is that, that's how you wanted it to go? Right. They don't get it. Yeah. So, um, Pope and Young, you guys got your convention coming up. Yeah. Your, it's going to be a banger too. Yeah. April 12th to the 15th in Reno. I'm trying to get you to come. I know. You've been saying that. It's going to be a blast, dude. We've got John Dudley's our keynote speaker. Um, we're doing a concert with Nate Hosey. Uh, we've got Kurt Wells from Bowhunter Magazine speaking. We've got Raised Hunting guys coming in. We've got Remy Warren speaking. We've got um, a, a plethora of people. Lineup. Yeah, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good event, dude, for sure. Um, Hundred and four ish vendors, um, you know, ranging from anywhere from Sitka, QU, Bear Archery, uh, onto the outfitters we work with, and you know, so it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a good good event for sure. Yeah, and that's in Reno, Nevada. Yep, at the Nugget. The Nugget Casino Resort. Um, what put, the reason Pope and Young is such a good event, I didn't understand it until I went to my first one. You go to like Dallas Safari and you go to, you know, Western Hunt or, you know, some of these bigger shows and those people are so closed off. You've got 10 minutes to meet with Michael Waddell and you wait in an hour and a half line because he's in the, 
the mossy or the real tree booth for an hour. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, but when you go to Pope and Young convention, they're just there. Like they're there to just enjoy the show. And like, I remember like my first year, it was like overwhelming. Like I sit down at dinner and I'm like, holy crap, it's Tom Miranda, like sitting right here eating a steak with me. Like <laughs> what, you know, like talk about Africa, you know, he runs a, a massive uh, African outfit, but, um, <clears throat> You know, you sit down and, and have pizza with Michael Waddell, and it's like, dude, this is crazy. I tried to meet you in Dallas, and it was like an hour wait, you know? Right. And, and I, you know, got to shake your hand and take a picture, and that was it. But now I'm having mm-hmm. dinner with you? Like, it's it's just, it's crazy that, you know, Chuck Adams is just walking around, and you can just have a meal with Chuck and, and hang out with Chuck. And my first year, I walked up. Some of, the, some of our staff was sitting there talking to this guy, and you could tell he was important. Like just by the way they were talking right. to him. And so I walked up and I said, Hey, well, hey, my name's Dylan Ray. It's a pleasure to meet you. What was your name? And he says, Jack Frost. And I'm like, you mean like the Jack Frost, like the one that shot the 29 first in history, like that Jack Frost. And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> like my bad, dude. Like right. I've read about you my whole life, but I've never seen you, your face. Like I've never yeah. seen you face to face. And I, my my apologies. I'm sorry. Then you start bowing down. Right. Um, but it's just guys like that, man. They're just walking around, and what what you find out is that they genuinely care about you as an outdoorsman. Like you're talking to Jack Frost, and you know he could tell you stories all day long about any hunt you could ever dream of going on. And he's like, "But well, what's your next hunt? Like, what are you doing? Like, do I, I heard you shot a doe last week? And you got a picture of it? And I'm like, you want to see my doe that I shot last week? Right. Like, it's just crazy, man. And you know, it's that group of, you know, quote unquote elitists that Pope and Young has so long been associated with that when you get down to it, you're like, you're just a bow hunter. Yeah, you're just a person too. Like you you just love bow hunting. Like I remember um, I asked, it was, I asked Jack, I said, well, well, what's your next big hunt you're excited for? You know, you're expecting to hear like, I'm going on a caribou hunt or I'm, I got a stone sheep tag or whatever. And he's like, dude, I'm going to chase does in Georgia. And I'm like, you serious? He's like. Yeah, dude, that's my next big hunt. I'm stoked for it. And I'm like, you're just a bow hunter. Like, you just love to bow hunt. Yeah, that's awesome. He doesn't, you know, he's had all the highs, but he also yeah. doesn't doesn't miss out the ones in between. And oh, so it's, it's that makes group of elitists like that you we've so long been associated with that, like, if you really get down to it, they're just passionate bow hunters that love bow hunting. Like that's awesome. Like Chuck, dude. Um, you know, you think about Chuck and he would be the most elitist, like the highest of highs, the best bow hunter to ever live, in my opinion. Um, sorry, Fred Bear. But, um, yeah, know. I mean, three names. <laughs> he's definitely, you, yeah, if you have three names, he's definitely in him yeah. for sure. And so it's it's that type of guy. And then you sit down with him and like you realize like you're not elite. Like you, you're a great bow hunter, but you just care about bow hunting. You put just your, love bow hunting and you just, you put your pants on one leg at a time, just like I do. Yeah. That's so, that's you know, cool. I'll so, encourage everybody to come. Yeah. Tickets will sell out quick. Um, we only have 800 dinner tickets. Um, for, for the so, I mean, that right there says it, I mean, 800 dinner tickets. And so you've got, you know, 800 people that are limited yeah. to be able to be in the room. Now you can come, you know, day passes are unlimited. You mm-hmm. can come for the day all you want, catch seminars and, uh, like Remy Warren will do a live question and answer podcast, um, which he's my favorite, you know, celebrity hunter. Um, but uh, why know, is that? His meekness, I would. I mean, just he's so just 
informational driven. Like he'll just give it out to anybody. He doesn't mm-hmm. care. Um, like you can, you know, ask him anything and he's going to answer it. Um, yeah, I just really like him. He's a nice guy. Um, but you know, he'll do a live question and answer podcast. So all the day events, you know, come hang out. But, but as far as dinners and, and what do the day events look like? Um, we've got, you know, our vendor area, um, where you can come and walk around, talk to your companies, you know, try out new bows, try on new clothes, talk to outfitters, book hunts. Um, there's seminars going all day long. Um, so you've got seminars from, you know, hunting big game, um, to, to dangerous hunting, to, mm-hmm. um, how to choose a broadhead and, and question and answers with Remy. And, um, you know, there's tons of question of, of seminars all day that you can go to and just become a better hunter. Uh, there's shooting lanes, there's bike riding areas to test out some of the new e-bikes and stuff. And, and, uh, there's a, like a techno hunt area where you can shoot techno hunt and just, you know, have fun, hang out with like-minded bow hunters. So Pope and Young also obviously scoring. Tell us a little bit. If, if, if if one of our listeners out there. I'm not a scorer. Well, we already know that. They don't trust me with the tape. In order for you to score them, you'd have to take off your shoes. Yeah. But dude, and socks. Well, you don't even have socks. Do you? you don't wear socks? Do you? Or just one? No, just one. Um, your toe sticks it, out. Yep, it's got a hole in it. But uh, that's something that like some people have a lot bigger issue with that than I do. Well, no, I guess what Mike. Well, I'm gonna let you go ahead, and then I'll, t- I'll make sure. Maybe you're gonna t- answer my question. So everybody has that 200 inch deer. Like, oh, dude, I killed a 200 last year. <laughs> and you look at it, and you're like, dude, that's a beautiful 160. Like that's mm-hmm. a it's a gorgeous one hundred and sixty inch deer. Mm-hmm. That's not two hundred. No, my taxidermist told me it was. Well, yeah, because he wants you to mount it. So he's gonna tell you it's a two hundred. What are you more likely to mount? A two hundred or one sixty? Right. Or no, dude, my uh my guide told me that I shot a two hundred. I'm like, Yeah, you hadn't tipped him yet either. You know? Like the two biggest guys in this world that have a reason to lie to you about your score is your pre tipped guide and your taxidermist. Because they have something to invest. They have they have skin in the game. Um, but again, like when it's measured by a Pope and young animal, stamp that with approval. This is 168 and three, eight and three sixteenths inch deer. No doubt by about Pope it. And young score. Right here by a Pope and young score. Right. Because those guys go through a three day extensive course. Like, it's not like, well, here's a book, just read it and you'll be good. Like, dude, they fly. Like we have an event coming up in Ogden, Utah, and you're going to have measures fly in from all across this country to spend three days in a room with Boone and Crockett and with Pope and Young to become a measure, and they learn everything. So if they're a Boone and if they're a Boone and Crockett, then most likely they're also a Pope and Young, where they are. Um, so just I think it was last year, maybe the year before, um, we worked tirelessly to come up with a joint book. So now when you take a course, you are both. Cool. Um, and and um, you can also measure for. Uh, uh, Bolton Coral, which is the new record book for uh, crossbows. Okay. So my question was, that's all great information. My question is, if I want to get my animals scored, how do I go about doing it? And maybe another question on top of that is, is, you know, let's say that, you know, use this deer here that we have in the room with us. And let's assume Kevin's never had it scored. Yeah. If it was something that he shot 10 years ago. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It has to go through a 60-day drying period. Okay. Um, because if you measure it within that 60 days, it's what's called a green score. It hadn't Correct. shrunk. Um, so animals shrink. 
because the moisture leaves their antlers and they shrink. Um, some more than others, um, some species a lot more than others. Um, and I couldn't tell you which species shrinks the most. Uh, people can, I can't, but, um, so it goes through a 60 day drying period after that 60 day drying period. doesn't matter if it was 61 days ago or if it was 25 years ago. Um, you can enter that animal. Um, so you go to pope-young.org and go to, um, records, click on that and it'll say, find a measure. You search Kansas and it'll show you all the measures in your area. Mm -hmm. You call that measure. Um, it's comp they'll meet you and measure it. And I think it's 40 bucks, um, to, to enter it. It's not mm -hmm. 40 bucks to have a measure. It's 40 bucks to enter the animal. Um, cause there's a lot that goes into that. I mean, we send you a plaque and everything, mm -hmm. um, to show, put it on the wall right next to that deer. That way nobody can doubt the score of that deer. Mm -hmm. Um, nobody can say, no, dude, that's probably 132 and 48. No, look right there. It says right there. That's a hundred percent official. Um, so we send you a plaque and, and all that good stuff. Um, and then you can actually get a discount on your membership when you enter an animal. Um, so not that, not that having an animal in the books is a requirement to be a member, not that being a member is a requirement to entering an animal. We encourage both. We encourage you to become a member and enter your animals, but you can get a discount on your membership at time of entry of the animal. What about a discount on your entering your animal if you're already a member? I don't know. No. No? <laughs> no. No? Maybe you ought to take that to the board of directors. Maybe I should. Started right here, Pope, Pope and Young discount. You can call it the powder and string discount. So with that forty-five bucks, though, one thing I want to mention: um, you just you just got your membership login, so you can log into the backside mm -hmm. of that website. Um, there's a lot of discounts available because you're a member, so you can literally make your forty-five bucks back just by utilizing discounts that we give our members. Um, HHA, Three Rivers Archery, uh, Buck Bourbon. I mean, I could keep listing them, but those are all discounts that you get just by being a member of Pope and Young because those companies work closely with us. They see a value in what we do. They want to give back. They want to, um, you know, there's, there's different promotions all around that if you look, mm -hmm. like if you spend 500 bucks at scent lock, you get a free membership to Pope and Young. If you buy a new bare boat, they give you a membership to Pope and Young. Um, because it's companies like that to say, you know what? I see it. Yeah. Well, like with bear archery specifically, they're like, well, listen, without Pope and Young, we don't exist. Yeah. Like nobody's buying bows if there's no bow seasons. So without Pope and Young, there is no bear archery. Mm -hmm. Um, and Fred bear was a huge supporter of Pope and young. Um, he was the first member to donate a hundred thousand mm dollars, -hmm. um, which is why our trust fund is named the Fred bear society. Um, so we work super closely with, with, you know, companies like that because they're like, well, listen, if it's not for you, if both seasons get taken away, we don't exist anymore. And mm -hmm. so, you know, like we were in a room at ATA and, and, uh, somebody walked up to us and they said, Hey, just look around. We're like, what do you mean? Like, this is because of you. Like, the ATA doesn't exist unless you're here. Unless you, 61 years ago, created bow seasons. This and the ATA be is the Archery Trade Association. Yep. So yeah. it's the the shot show for bows. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, also, another thing that a lot of people that are, you know, myself included until, you know, recently learned otherwise, not just white-tailed deer. Not just elk, you know, mules or elk. How many species does? 29. And those 29 animals, every single one of them have a scoring system. Yep. Black bear. Yep. Skull. 
you do the skull, two measurements on the skull. Yep. Same with cats, um, mountain lions. Um, white tails are the hardest to measure, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Yeah, I know there's a lot so of- much antler variety. Right. There's so much just freaky. I mean, I can just look around this room and each one of these deer, that deer's a freak. That deer has some kickers and some trash, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the only one that's like cut and dry. Yeah, kind of a typical. T- typical, yeah. Um, so that's what most measures say is the hardest to measure is whitetails just because there's always. And when they get something. real big and got a lot of stickers and trash and stuff <laughs> like that, a, then they get a panel. Yeah. So, so panel is the top five of each species for that recording period. So every two years we do a panel. That's coming up here. Um, I leave for that in two weeks. Um, Where's that at? It's in Reno. So basically we fly the trophies in to, to panel score them, and then they're on display at convention. That's another thing. It, it We have the largest display of animals you will ever see in your entire life at the Pope and Young Convention. 200-plus of the largest animals ever taken with archery equipment in one room. And you get to walk around and look at them all. Um, that alone is worth the price of admission. That alone, dude, it's incredible. I mean, it's crazy to see. Um, so we fly them to Reno for panel. So the top five of each species for that recording period get invited. And what that is, is basically they want to verify because the measurer has already measured it. It's official. That's the score. Um, but they fly it to panel and then it's panel scored by three panel measures. Those are the best of the best measures you could ever find. And it's panel scored by three of those to verify that score to make top five. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a deer last year. Um, 2021 was the last recording period. It was the butcher buck shot right here in, in El Dorado mm-hmm. and uh, just had that crazy bush on top of its head. It took both teams eight hours apiece to measure that animal. So 16 hours of measuring in one animal. When they get done, it was, I mean, I could look at the exact score, but we'll say 300 inches. Mm-hmm. It was 300 inches of just mess of mm-hmm. just a bush. And when they got done, they were like three sixteenths of an inch away from each other. That's crazy. Teams. Because those panel measures, dude, like you walk up and look at them and they have like the doctor's bifocals that like flip down into different so they can like look down. And you're like, dude, you take this serious. Another level. Next level. Level but up. But again, that's the kind of like there is no debating what my deer scores because I know for a fact that's So out official. of curiosity, and you probably don't know, but the the first score, how far off was it from – or that's the right, three sixteenths that you were saying, right there. I mean, it was no the the two teams were three sixteenths away from okay. each other. Um, it does the panel score does change sometimes. So if the, the panel panels, score the main goes score. up, then you get the new panel score. And if it goes down, if it goes you down. Get you get the new panel score. score. Yep. I mean, fair enough. Yep. That's why you know we we maybe I shouldn't say this. We've made some people mad. Um, one being a very big name in the industry because their animal went down at panel. Um, can't help it. I mean, we can't change that. Well, I mean, you got to make it fair. You got to make it right. So, otherwise, if you don't have integrity, you don't have anything. That's what happens. And then at convention on Saturday night, we have our awards banquet, um, which is emceed by Tom Miranda. And he awards those awards to the top five of each species. Sounds like a great time. So this year it'll be for non-typical Sitka blacktail. It'll be with the number one New World record, we have Chuck Adams, and they'll go off stage and say, with the number two, we have Chuck Adams, and then they'll go back around. And with the number three, we have Chuck Adams, and they'll just keep walking circles. Right. You better have a comfortable <laughs> pair of shoes. That's what I'm talking about. Right. No, uh, it, it really is cool um, to, to see the amount of work that goes into 
the the measuring and the record books, mm-hmm. um, it is really cool to see um, that they take it this serious and this much work goes into it. And it's this official and it's this. It's cool to see. Man, I'm I'm uh, this was this was very interesting. I really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure, dude. I mean, I, I really encourage you to have uh, Tim Rizuski. He's our director of records. Yeah. Um, phenomenal guy. Um, and and you know he's the he's the guy that's in charge of all the records. So mm-hmm. it would be really cool to have him on. I would love that. Yeah. Maybe you can work that out for us because, you know, as as we're as we're starting down this journey, you know, we're you know we're less than ten ten episodes in. We're trying to get every you know to 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 get as much information as we can out to people with everything you know shooting hunting outdoors and you know let them learn things i mean here i am somebody i'm not gonna tell you how old i am but i've been hunting for 42 i'm not telling you okay i've been hunting for i'm 29 i've been 30 my whole life okay (laughs) you're ridiculous but for somebody who's been hunting for over 20 years, there's things that I learned today. Yeah. And I just think it's really You didn't cool. start hunting until you were 31? Seriously, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's things I learned today, and I just think it's super – I just think it's the awesomest thing in the world that – people with technology and how small the world's become. We talked about that today, but how small the world's become, it's just awesome that we can take that information and help them out and let them learn and and see that there's things out there that they can benefit from directly immediately. And, and that there's resources out there, you know, and that's what we're, you know, with the podcast, we're trying to be a resource for everybody. Yeah. Not just our customers, but if they want to be our customers, then that's awesome too. But we're trying to be a resource for as much stuff as we can. And so, you know, I would love to have that. We want to have as diverse a, a, of a platform of, of the podcast yeah. as possible. I mean, we're working right now with a, a chef. We're yeah. going to have a podcast with a guy who's an award-winning chef. I mean, he's the top he's, 10 in America. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going to come in and talk about. He pisses me off, though, <laughs> because everybody wants to know. I get to do a lot of traveling. Mm-hmm. I have to do a lot of traveling. Um, everybody wants to know, where's the best steak you ever had? And I'm like, Mike Castaneda. What's mm-hmm. the best pizza you ever had? Mike, Mike Castaneda. Castaneda. He What's just, the best enchilada you ever had? Mike Castaneda. He just yesterday posted something on social media, on the social media page, beef tongue. Now I've eaten beef tongue. Don't like it. Tried it. Don't like it. You tried deer tongue? No, I haven't. You tried deer eyeballs? No, I can assure you I have not. I've been told the membrane, the membrane behind a deer's eyeballs. Eat them raw. Like pull them out of the deer and eat it right then. I've been told it's like bread dough. I'm a texture dude. I I don't texture and me don't. <laughs> yeah, not happening. I'm I I'm I'm the sorry. same way. Um, you know, a lot of people rave about like deer hearts and liver, and that's nah, not me. I don't. I'll donate them. I'll give them to buddies. That's not me though. Yeah, absolutely. But you know, as again with the podcast, we're trying to get as much information out there for everybody, and it's not just we don't want to be you know pigeonholed. So you know, we're powder and string. You know, we're we started less than two years ago. We've got, you know, uh, we, we, we work really hard and we feel like we got a great shop, yeah. gun shop, um, you know, with our gunsmith and our engraver and all that. But uh, the string part is bows and that's, you know, we're working on getting that. And hopefully this year it'll, it'll be up and running. Um, yeah. This thing's just gone, you know, from zero to a million mile an hour in no time flat. 
and we're super excited. But, you know, having you on today, Pope and Young, great organization. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Guys, go to pope-young.org. At the very top of the page, it says become a member. Click on that. It'll take you five minutes, 45 bucks. And with that, you're ensuring your rights as a bow hunter. Absolutely. 100% agree with that. And if you would do a favor for me and, you know, go and like, subscribe, go to our social media pages. We're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and uh, we have YouTube channel, Powder String. Uh, subscribe. We're, you know, working on putting content out all the time. And yeah. it's just going to continue to get better. I can assure you we're, we're working really hard on on that as well. But it's been a pleasure having you on here, Dylan, man. We greatly appreciate it. Absolutely, man. It's my pleasure. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. All the listeners out there, Powder and String Outfitters, your hometown shop. Mm-hmm.